Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. This week, we return back to our regularly scheduled programming, and so let's review our Sabbath series. I want to go back to week one, and I want to just kind of remind you where we were at, and uh, then we'll dive into the Word today. The first week of this series, I explained to you that after 11 months of quality ministry, we are intentionally spending this month resting and, and being refreshed. That's what we are trying to do, and this has been our tradition for the past 10 years at Destiny Community Church, since the beginning of our church, that first summer, we set aside a month of Sabbath, and that's what we're doing now. And I hope that some of you are taking advantage of, of what we're trying to coach you to do, because we are trying our best to live by this. Um, there, after first service this morning, there was a gentleman that came through the line, and he looked at me, and he said, Pastor, thank you. He said, this is the first Sabbath that we've been here, and I've been trying to do what you have said. He said, I, every day at five o'clock, I'm getting off from work. I'm not working overtime. I'm going home, spending it with my wife, spending it with my kids. And he says, it's paying off because I'm getting more done at work during limited hours than I was before. And I looked at him and said, it's supernatural. We tend to look at everything in the natural, but Sabbath and learning to rest and learning to, to appreciate that downtime, Sabbath is supernatural, believing that God can do more in our downtime than we can do when we're working. And so uh, this has just been our tradition. It's something that we will continue to do. That first week I spoke to you about the breath of life. Without the breath of life, Adam was a lifeless clump of dirt. But when God breathed into his nostrils the breath breath of life. The Bible says that he became alive. And as long as Adam stayed connected to God, he had breath. But at the moment Adam turned away from God, at the moment he was disconnected from God, death entered humanity. And ever since then, we have consistently run out of breath. Ever since then, we have consistently run out of breath because we, we, we forget about the, the, the rules and, the, and the, the opportunities that we have of Sabbath. The spirit of Sabbath has to flow into our hearts and flow into our spirits. And it's so easy for us to walk away from that. Psalm 46 and 10 says, be still and know that I am God. And I told you that first week that when we find stillness, we find God. When we stop just to catch his breath, that's what it is. We're catching his breath. He's breathing the breath of life into us. And when we stop long enough just to catch his breath, it is in that breath that you will find God. And Sabbath gives us that spiritual resuscitation that we need. A few weeks ago, I woke up in the early morning hours not feeling real good. I, I knew something was wrong. It was probably 2, 2.30 in the morning. And the room was dark, and I opened my eyes, but even though the room was dark, I could tell that the whole room was spinning. I'd never felt anything like this in my life. It was spinning out of control to the point to where I had to keep my eyes shut. If I opened my eyes, the way things were just moving around the room, it just I was getting sick to my stomach just watching. And, and so I'm, I'm trying my best to find something to focus on in this dark room. And on our wall, at, at beyond the foot of our bed, we have a flat screen TV that's mounted on the wall, and there's a little red light. It, the TV was not on, but the little red light just tells you it's plugged in. 
And so there's this little red light, and, and I'm looking, and I tried to focus on that, and it only made it worse. It did. It only made it worse because it, it just, it's just going around the room. I felt like I was on the scrambler at, at, at the county fair. You know, man, I'm just I'm all over the place. It was, it was just driving me insane, and I, I could not figure out what was going on. And I tried to get up, and as I was trying to get up, I, I could not find my balance. My equilibrium was off, and, and I knew this was not good, and I was trying not to wake Mandy up. I eventually, through just through my noises and my, my grunts and groans and everything else, she, she figured out something wasn't right. And um, I, I eventually figured out that if I would lay on my left side, that everything would calm down. I still didn't feel the best, but the room would stop spinning. And then all of a sudden I would turn and go to my right side and everything would start spinning again. Just felt like I was on a NASCAR track, you know, just everything just flying by me. My equilibrium was off and it was causing me to be off balance. Church, I figured out that life is better when it is balanced. Life is better when it is balanced. Uh, if, if you don't believe me, just ask Nick Walenda. You, you've heard of Nick Walenda, who is the, the famous tightrope walker. Uh, balance was the key when he crossed Niagara Falls on a tightrope. Balance was crucial when he walked between two skyscrapers in Chicago blindfolded. Balance was vital to his survival when he crossed the Grand Canyon. This guy's nuts. But he would agree with me that balance is the key. Balance is crucial. It is vital to your existence, especially his existence. Balance pays off. Life is better balance. And if you don't find balance in your life, you're going to crash and burn. And, and some of you have already experienced this in areas in your life because you did not find balance and it's cost you some things. For some of you in the room, it cost you your first marriage. It may have cost you your second marriage. I don't know where you're at in life, but some of you, you can agree with me that because you didn't find balance in your life, it caused you to crash and burn and it cost you a marriage or it cost you a relationship with your children. Some of you in the room, you have grown children and your relationship, you don't think it can ever be restored because of a lack of balance when they were younger. You didn't take the time to, to be with your kids. You didn't take the time to invest into your children. And so those relationships have crashed and burned or, or maybe it's, it's your job. Maybe, maybe because you can't find balance, your career is going to crash and burn and you don't even see what's happening. But if you don't find balance, you will crash and burn. What's amazing to me is that life can so easily become unbalanced. Because here's what happens with, with me. Every year, I go through the month of Sabbath and there are some great, great habits that are created in my life. Some of you, you, you take this time serious. You go to work, you work only the necessary hours to keep your job. You say no to the overtime because you are dedicating this month to, to the things that matter the most. And, and, and you understand what's happening and, and it creates these wonderful, wonderful habits in your life. But then you get caught up in the hustle and bustle. You get caught up in the day-to-day -day activities. You get caught up in all the problems and the problems projects that have to get done and, and everything else. And eventually what happens is your life becomes unbalanced again. And that's why for me as a pastor, I feel the need that every year, this time of year, I need to preach on Sabbath and I need to preach on rest and, and learning how to be restored, unbalanced. The definition says not in equilibrium, not giving accurate, fair, or equal coverage to all aspects not evenly distributed. 
Life has a way of easily becoming unbalanced, and, and we're all guilty of it. We are. If, if you think with me, you, you will know that you're guilty of this because we are all guilty of not giving accurate, fair, or equal coverage to the aspects of life that should matter the most to us. It's easy to say things matter, but it's another thing to actually invest in those things because we fall into this trap of, I'll have a life when I retire. You know, that's the goal for some of us in the room. It is retirement. For some people in the room, that is your goal. That's what you think is, is, is the finish line for, for what you are doing right now with your life, that I will have a life when I retire. And, and I just really want you to contemplate this for a moment because really, really, is that what you're working your entire life for is for retirement to, to our retirees in the room? What I'm about to say, I don't want you to think that I think you're on death's door, you know, and that you are, you know, you know, one foot in the grave kind of thing. That's not where I'm at. That's not what I'm talking about. But, but if we're just working for retirement, we're wasting our lives because think about it. When the kids are grown and they left home, is that what we're working for? Not enjoying the children being at home? Because the older you get, your health starts failing. So is that what you're working for? You're, you're working so that you can enjoy life when your health is failing you? Or, or when you and your spouse don't have the energy to have fun anymore? I mean, I'll let you figure out what that means in your life, but, but is that what you're working towards? Is that where you're at in life, that you are working towards retirement when, when, when your, your body's falling apart, your kids are gone, and you just don't have the same amount of, of energy like you used to? We've got to learn to live for the here and now. That's what we've got to learn to live for, the here and now, and stop worrying about the then and there. Because focusing on the then and there is ruining some of your lives and you've got to learn to stop and worry uh, and, and stop worrying about the then and there and start concentrating on the here and now. Planning is great. Don't get me wrong, man. I, I'm planning for retirement. There's money that's put away for retirement. And one day, it, it, if I retire right now, I'm in trouble because there's not a lot of money there. But, but one day I hope to retire, but, but that's not my life's goal. Don't forget what Jesus said, Matthew 6 and 34. He said, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Jesus told us those words. He said, don't worry about the then and there. Don't worry about tomorrow. That's going to take care of itself. We've got to learn to concentrate on the here and now. Think about this. The average married couple will spend somewhere, if they stay married, around 40 years together trying to balance work life and home life. They will spend somewhere around 40 years together trying to figure out how to balance those two worlds and then they will spend only about 10 to 15 years enjoying retirement together. So they will spend their entire marriage preparing for only a small fraction of what really can be enjoyed. When you start thinking about it that way, you'll realize that you are wasting the here and the now. Why do we spend so much time working to retire when retirement is only a very small part of our lives? We've got to learn to balance life. Career is important. Don't get me wrong. You've, you, you need to work. If you don't work, you don't need. That's what the Bible says. 
You need to work. Career is important, but your time with God, your time with your spouse, and your time with your children is more important. Your time with your God, your time with your spouse, and your time with your children is more important than what you are accomplishing at work. There's three ways that they tell us that you can invest in something. You can invest in your time, your talent, and your treasure. That's the three ways that you can invest in a person, a place, a thing. You, that's the only way is your time, your talent, and your treasure. If you want to invest in a movement, your time, your talent, and your treasure. So I want to ask you these three questions. First one, what do you spend the most time thinking about? Because that's a value in your life. That is something that you treat with priority. The thing that you spend the most time thinking about. What do you spend the most time investing your talent in? The thing that you can do really good. What do you spend the most time investing your talent in? And finally, what do you spend the most of your treasure on? That's how you invest what you're thinking about, what you're investing your talent in, and what you're investing your treasure in. That's the priorities for your life. Whether you want to admit it or not, that's what you have listed as priorities in your life. That's what you're investing in. You can say all day long that your faith, your spouse, and your kids are the most important things in your life, but your time, your talent, and your treasure may say otherwise. And so you have to do that self-evaluation. You have to look at your life and say, am I truly investing my time, my talent, and my treasure in the things that matter the most to me? You can't find balance by just investing your treasure in your kids. That's what some people do. They forget about the, the, the time and the talent, and they just want to spend their treasure because they've got plenty of it. And so they just want to invest their treasure in their kids, and, and that is never going to create balance. You've got to invest all three of those things in individuals or in organizations if you want to find balance. You can buy your kids everything that they want, but that relationship will still be lacking if you don't invest your time and your talent in those children. My father-in-law years ago bought me a book and it says, how does a child spell love? T-I-M-E. A child spells love by the amount of quality time that you spend with them. And so you have to learn to, to create balance in your life by investing your time, talent, and your treasure in the things that matter the most. Proverbs 11 and 1 speaks about a false balance. And this is where some of us are at. We're, we're living life with a false balance. It says a false balance is an abomination to the Lord. Let me just stop right there just for a moment. Because there are some people, some Christians that will get up on their soapbox and they will preach till they're blue in the face about the things that are an abomination to the Lord. I, I don't even want to get into all that today. I mean, I've got my, my own convictions in my life and, and my Lord, I've, I've preached enough about all that. But they will get up and they will talk about the things that are an abomination to the Lord. And I believe that some of them are. But right here, it tells us that false balance is an abomination to the Lord. If you think that you have life balanced, but yet it's not, that's an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. A just weight is his delight. The Bible paints this picture of the scales of justice, and we can easily be convinced that our lives are correctly balanced and not even know that we are living in a false balance because we don't even see it. 
Proverbs 16 and 11 says, A just balance and scales belong to the Lord. All the weights of the bag are his concerns. And so whatever you are prioritizing in life is a concern to him. If, if you're out of balance, if you are unbalanced in your life, it is concerning to him. God is concerned on whether or not your life is balanced. And if you are finding the, the success that he wants you to have in the proper areas where he wants you to have them. So this is, this is what's concerning to me. What if one of the areas of concern on the day of judgment, when you stand before God, what if one of those areas of concern is whether or not you lived a balanced life? What if something's out of whack there? You, you spent too much time concentrating on your career, not your family. What if you spent too much time worrying about the dollar than you did your own children? What if life is out of balance and that's one of the things that you will have to give an account for? Now here, honestly, I don't believe you'll miss heaven for that. I believe Jesus Christ died and, and, and his grace and his love covers a multitude of sin. I believe that with my whole heart. There's going to be some people that get to heaven strictly because they have a relationship with Jesus Christ and they got a lot of things wrong in life. But, but what if some of your rewards in heaven, we talked about this a few weeks ago, what if some of your rewards in heaven what if they're based on whether or not you lived a balanced life? Because I just read two scriptures to you that God is concerned with whether or not we have balance, just balance. Neglecting our relationships with God, neglecting our relationship with our spouse, neglecting our relationship with our children is an injustice to your life and it's an injustice to their life. And so you have to take inventory today. Whether you want to or not, you have to run these thoughts through your mind and you have to say, is my life balanced? Am I investing in the right things, the things that truly matter? I want to read from Mark chapter 1 today. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Mark chapter 1. If you do not have your Bible, it will be on the screen. As you're turning there, I want to let you know that this is at the beginning of the ministry of Christ. He has just called his first four disciples, four of the twelve, he has just called them. Peter and Andrew, James and John, all fishermen, all from the same area. And, and he has just called them to be his first four disciples. And so his ministry is just beginning. And man, when he kicks off his ministry, it, it happens. It, it happens quick. I'll never forget planning Destiny Community Church here. Man, I, I, our humble beginnings in the beginning. And then all of a sudden we were hit and we were kind of overwhelmed with a crowd of about 100 people at our, at our very first. 101 people showed up to our first service. And then we, we, we grew the church to about 70. And just seeing if you're awake. And, um, and, and from there we started this, this slow incline, you know, just it's been slow and steady is, is, what, is what's happened. And, and I think back to those early days and, and I couldn't imagine being overwhelmed like Jesus was overwhelmed. And we're going to read about this because when his ministry kicked off, it was in full swing. And so listen to this, Mark chapter 1, verse 21. And they went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath... He entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. 
And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, Who is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout, the, throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered, to, entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. This particular Sabbath was a very busy day for Jesus. To some extent, I can relate because I know what, what Sundays look like for me. It's a busy day. For, for many people, it's a day off, but, but for me as a pastor, this is a work day for me. And so I, I wake up uh, long before most of you get up, and I, I'm at the office before you've even turned over most of the time. And, and, and it just turns into a long day, preaching two services. And, and, and I can't imagine, knowing my life, my schedule, I can't imagine what this day of ministry looked like for Jesus. I can't imagine the stress that came with it. I can't imagine how overwhelmed it could have been. This particular day, he accomplishes quite a bit. It told us in our text that he teaches with authority at the synagogue, not like the scribes. Apparently the scribes would tell people what they wanted to hear. But Jesus teaches with authority is what it says. I know what that feels like because last Sunday was one of those days. Last Sunday is one of those days that, that, that I, I was preaching with authority and the Holy Spirit has those moments in a preacher's life. But I can tell you this, at the end of a day like that, when you know that you have preached with authority, it is exhausting. My wife will tell you, man, after two services last week, I was wiped out. Jesus was in the synagogue teaching with authority. It makes sure that it tells us that. Then he delivers a demon-possessed man from the demons that are haunting his life. And, and, and then he goes to, to the home of Simon, and Simon Peter's mother-in-law is there burning up with a fever. Jesus takes her by the hand, and the fever leaves her body. He heals her body. That evening, the Bible says that the whole city gathers around the house that he is staying at. It's estimated that there were around 1,500 residents of Capernaum. So 1,500 people gather outside the front door of this house to, to see Jesus. And Jesus is at the height of his popularity. The Bible says that he was becoming famous. He was becoming well-known. Some of you aren't going to like this, and, and, and I don't particularly like the term either, but, but he was reaching a rock star status is what was happening. People were flocking to see the miracles that would take place in his life. We know that, that he's not the rock star. We know that he's the rock of our salvation. 
But they were coming to him, man. They wanted to see what was happening. And so the whole city comes to see Jesus, to experience what he's doing for people, delivering people from demons, healing people from their sickness, to hear what this man had to say. The Bible says that they bring every sick and demon-possessed person to him. It doesn't say that he heals all of them, but it does say that he heals many of them. I think we can all agree that what Jesus was doing was good. When you step back and you look at this one day in ministry, even though it was busy, we look at it and we go, man, he was doing good. He had told, told us through his teachings, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. It was the Sabbath and man, he was blessing people with his goodness. From all appearances, it seemed like he was fulfilling exactly what God wanted him to do. It seemed like he was fulfilling his mission statement for life. He was, he was freeing those who were bound. He, he was delivering those who needed deliverance. He was preaching good news. It looked like he had it all together and that everything was just right. And it's easy for us to confuse good with God. Sometimes you think that everything that you are doing in your life is exactly how God wants it to be because it's good. And it's easy for us sometimes to confuse good with God. You're not called to be good. You're called to be godly. And until we get this right, we will never be balanced. Just because it feels like the right thing doesn't mean that it's the right thing. Proverbs 14 and 12 says, There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. And so you can justify your work schedule all that you want to. You can justify your busyness because it's providing for the family. But if you are not careful, it will lead to death. It appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. Have you ever had one of your children use your own words against you? Doesn't it make you mad? I just want to just, just pinch their head off, you know, just... You'll say something and two weeks later they'll bring it up and you know it's your words. You know it. And it will tick you off. Well, I had something very similar happen to me this past week. A couple of years ago, I was asked to write an article for the Church of God Evangel. And as vain as this is today, I would like to read part of this article. You can't buy this, so unless you're on the mailing list, you can't get it. So don't think I'm trying to sell a magazine or anything like that. But I would like for you to give me a dollar for everybody that hears me read this. So um, there's a little part in here that I was reading this past week from an article about Sabbath that I wrote two years ago. And man, this week it began speaking to me. My own words being used to preach to my life. This, this one little section of this article is called, It Applies to Me Too. This is what I wrote. I will let you in on a secret, but please don't tell my church. Our annual Sabbath is more for me than it is for them. I need it. I have a tendency to fall back into my old habits and routines. Every summer, God's word reminds me to rest. Just like the Sabbath rest for the land mentioned in Leviticus 25 and 4, my life becomes more fruitful when I sanctify a time of rest. Early on in my ministry, I neglected the Sabbath. I was at the church seven days a week and worked long hours. I justified my actions because I was doing the Lord's work. 
and all of the good I was doing, my family was suffering. God convicted my heart, and I had to sanctify the Sabbath and keep it holy. If I would not have learned the principles of Sabbath, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt my marriage would have ended. If I would not have learned the principles of Sabbath, I would not have the relationship that I have with my children today. If I had not learned to Shabbat, if I had not learned to Sabbath, my ministry would not be where it is at today, even if I had a ministry. I'm not even sure. Because being wore out and exhausted, living a life out of balance will cause you to do things that right now in your right mind, you know they're not right. But when that weakness hits you, when your life is out of balance, it will cause you to do things that you never thought that you would do. And you'll justify why. You'll justify an affair just because you're tired. Well, she's not showing me much attention. I deserve better. You'll justify walking away from a job, a door that God has opened, all because you're exhausted and you're tired. And you'll spend the next few years trying your best to get back in God's will. You have to understand that a life out of balance will cause you to do things that you would not normally do. And my life was spiraling out of control and I thought that I was doing it right because I was, I was doing ministry. I was full-time in ministry. I, I thought I was doing everything the right way. Ecclesiastes 7 and 16 says, Do not be over-righteous, neither be over-wise. Why destroy yourself? It's talking about balance. Balance. Listen to what happens. Mark chapter 1, the very next verse, 35. Right after Jesus heals all those people, 1,500 people that have gathered around that house to hear him, to see him. Listen immediately what happens. Verse 35. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. What's interesting to me about that verse is that Luke 5 and 16 it tells us that, that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places or desolate places. He often did. This was a regular practice in his life. That when life would get busy, when the career would get busy, when the ministry would get busy, he would often withdraw to those desolate places. He departed and went out to that desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, and here it is right here, everyone is looking for you. Hey, Jesus, it's early in the morning. You know, all those people who were there last night because they wanted to see you, you know, you're famous now. And all of those people that wanted to see you, well, they're back at the house this morning for breakfast. They're hanging out, and, and everyone is looking for you, Jesus. Everyone wants to see you. What are you doing out here in a desolate place, out here by yourself? What are you doing out here? Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. 
He said, I walked out of that city. I left your house. I left the place where everybody was patting me on the back, telling me that I'm doing a good job. I left that place to get out here so that I could pray to my Father to get my life in balance. You see, Jesus was human. Though he was God, he took on the form of humanity to suffer for our sins. I know that his body would have worn out way too soon had he kept pushing himself like that. How do I know that? Because I know the moments when my life has been worn out. I know the moments when I have found my life out of balance. And Jesus had three and a half years to accomplish what he needed to, to accomplish to bring our salvation. And eventually, he would submit himself to a cross and die on that cross, and he would suffer death because of it. That's how I know that at that pace, he was going to burn out and he was going to crash. But Jesus, in all of his wisdom, sets the example for us. And he leaves the busyness and he goes out into the wilderness and that's where they find him praying. You see, you and I, we've got to find that place also. If we don't find that isolated place away from the busyness, we will crash and burn. When determining your priorities, look to God, not to others. Jesus, don't you know everybody is looking for you? At that moment, he didn't care what anybody else thought. He only worried what God the Father was thinking. Jesus determined his priorities by spending time with the Father. And that's the problem with some of us, is that we've stopped spending time with the Father. And until we learn to spend time with the Father, we're always going to be out of balance and we're always going to have our priorities wrong. But I know what some of you are thinking. I, I, I know because, because it's, it's, it's how we think. In, in the natural, we have no choice but to think like this. How could Jesus walk away from so many people that have needs that were there? They were receiving him. It, it was a good place of ministry. How could he walk away from all of those needs? And the answer is because the Father had different priorities for Jesus than simply just a healing ministry. That's what was happening. He was healing people. He was delivering people. But teaching, his teaching ministry balanced the healing ministry. And the healing ministry balanced the teaching ministry. You see, if you show up and all you want is God's miracles for your life, then you are going to be one unbalanced disciple. You're not going to know the full extent of what God wants for your life. And if you show up and all you get is the teaching and you never experience the blessings and the supernatural miracles that take place, then you, your life is going to be out of balance. You've got to have both. They go hand in hand. And that's what he was calling him to. Jesus knew, I can't just, just heal people. People need to hear what I have to say, what God has put in me. I need to leave this place so I can go and teach somewhere. And even though the people would have preferred Jesus to choose differently, he determined instead to please the Father. Accordingly, Jesus was misunderstood. He was rejected, even crucified, and yet he was successful. We know that because you and I have everlasting life. He was successful. God's priorities for you and people's ex expectations of you will seldom go hand in hand. And the problem with some of us in the room is that the spirit of people-pleasing is leading you to an unbalanced life. 
Some of you in the room, you don't have a clue what I'm talking about, but there's some of you that you live your life to please people. And because of that, you are running yourself ragged. Because of that, you don't take the time to hear what God wants for your life, what God's priorities for your life really are. For some of you, you have a hard time distinguishing between God's voice and your boss's voice. You have a hard time saying no, saying, could we do this differently? Could I have this day off? My, my marriage early on, whenever Mandy and I were, we were only married like two weeks, I think. And the company I was working for, a secular business, the company I was working for, the manager down in Tampa had, had walked out, left his keys on the desk and just walked out. And we had employees down there in a warehouse that had to be locked up and stuff. And, and my, my, my boss looked at me and he said, I need you to go to Tampa until we find a manager. And I looked at him and I said, with all due respect, I'm sorry, I can't do that. And he looked at me. This guy's a multimillionaire. And I looked at him and I said, my wife is not used to living just me and her. She moved out of her parents' house into this house that she's living in with me. She's not used to living just me and her, much less by herself. And I looked at him and said, I'll go down Monday morning through Wednesday afternoon. I'll run it for three days, but then I'm coming home to be with my wife. The boss looked at me, multimillionaire looked at me and said, okay, I'll go down the other two days. For a few months, we had to live like that. But I was prioritizing. You see, some of you, 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 you have not even, you would never think of speaking to your boss like that and saying what's really going on inside of your heart. You can do it in a respectful way and you can let them know, listen, life matters to me. The things that you prioritize, people will respect. But you've got to put some value on it. What are you investing your time, talent, and treasure in? What are those things? Stop trying to please everybody and start understanding God is the only one you have to please. And what God wants for your life is always going to better your life. It will always give you the answers that you want, and it will always lead you to success. But you haven't got away. Jesus had to get away from all the good he was doing to hear what God the Father wanted him to do, and that was go to the next town and teach. You've got to learn to get along with God. That's the spirit of Sabbath. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. We would love to meet you in person. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352-472-3284. Thanks again for listening. Destiny Community Church, for life's journey.